0: All right. Can you hear me? Yeah? Yeah? Awesome. Well, I'm excited to speak again on the topic of worship. And, um, yeah, there's so many rabbit trails you can go on this topic. And so uh, today we're going to be focusing on one of them. It was a point that I was going to leave out last—well, I was going to speak about last week, but the Lord told me to wait till this week. And I'm glad I did because everything that's been— the Lord's been sharing with us this morning. Uh, It has been focused around this topic that we're going to be talking about. Uh, But before, let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Father, we thank you so much that you are with us, Lord, and that we can continue to worship you, posturing our hearts before you, submitting to you, to hear your word and to listen and to let you speak. And Lord, I pray that all of our ears and eyes and hearts would be open, Father, and sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that you would Speak to us as we listen to your word and talk about it, and we just thank you so much that we can be with you, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, as I speak, I'm not the preeminence on the topic of worship, so <laughs> the Holy Spirit is, and um, I'm learning as I study and go through this, so as we go and talk uh, through, through worship, Um, if the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, write it down and then share it with me and share it with Pastor Jason, Pastor Liz, and with everybody else around us because we all have the opportunity to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us and he wants to and we need to hear what God is speaking to each of us. So I want to encourage you in that. Um, The uh, passage of scripture that we've been using is Acts 2, 42 through 47. So let me read that. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God And having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And that's the that's what we want to see, right? In our body, in all the bodies of the the church as a whole in Erie County, all over this country, and all over the world. We want to see this happening, the church functioning in unity with the Holy Spirit and with each other. And so last week we started talking about worship, and we talked about how worship is not a song, it's not a 30, 40 minute, hour long time of singing, but worship at its core is a posture and a posture of submission and humility. And we talked about the Hebrew and Greek words, um, I can't really say it well, Uh, that's the Hebrew word, and it means to prostrate, to lay flat, to bow down, to crouch, to fall, humbly beseech, do reverence, and to stoop. And then the Greek word, Uh, Proskineo, which means to kiss like licking, uh, like the dog licking a master's hand. How many of you have those puppies that you love? And they come and they're ready to lick you to death, right? If they have to, okay, because they love you. And so worship is a posture of submission and humility, but it's a posture of submission and humility uh, in the Father's love and in our love for him. And um, we talked about Mark 12, 29 and 30. It says, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments. So Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And so Jesus says we need to worship God with every part of our body and posture all of ourselves before him. And then we talked about worship is in our DNA right we were created by love love is always posturing itself before each other in a posture of humility submission care compassion for one another and so instinctively we by nature are going to worship something no matter what whether we're sinners or whether we're saved and so we need to ask the question every single day what am i posturing before who am i posturing before who am i submitting myself to my life to today and um, also what, the things that, that I possess like how am I posturing my whole life not just to God but how am I posturing also to other people like am I loving one another like Pastor Liz talked about are we loving one another Jesus said the first commandment and then he said the second commandment is you know love your neighbor as yourself this, this second one is just like the first one it's, it's posturing ourselves to one another and loving each other in submission And so we're going to continue with this and we're going to hit Genesis 22 and read, um, I'm going to read 1 uh, 1 through 19 and we're going to look at Abraham and Isaac. But before we do that, I want to talk uh, just quickly about why is this so important to us? Why should worship and this posturing of our heart be so important? Why should we put so much emphasis on this? One, you know, it's the first commandment, you know, worship God. Um, But in Revelations 2, Revelation 2, 1 through 7, I'm going to read this. Uh, It's not on the screen. Um, Jesus tells John to write this letter to a last days church, a church in the last days, you know. And here's what he says. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary now if you just stop right there how many of you would like to be a part of a church like that i mean i mean it sounds like they're doing everything perfect their works their labor their patience they're working unto the Lord, they're laboring for the Lord, they're patient, they're uh, not bearing evil, so they're shunning evil and sin, you know, they're testing those who are speaking to them, making sure that they're not false prophets, they're persevering and having patience and laboring for his namesake, you know, they're enduring pers- persecution, so they're like on, on, the, on the mark, right? And it says, nevertheless, I have this against you, you have left your first love, oof, You're doing all the right things, but you stopped worshiping me. You stopped prostrating your heart before me. You stopped submitting to me, and now your worship has simply become works. How many times in our life do we worship God, and we start doing these all the right things, but then pretty soon our mind shifts from our worship to God, and now we're focused on our works. Pretty soon we're just doing and doing and doing, and we're thinking, oh, I'm pleasing God, I'm pleasing God, all the while God's over here, and we're over here doing this, and we're not even looking at them, right? And Jesus says, this is the most important thing to me. Worship. Being with you because I love you. You have left your first love. And so worship is so, so key. Our works mean nothing if we are not in submission to God and being with him and living in his love. And there's a lot of other reasons why worship is so powerful and why we need to have this in our life as a strong discipline. Because, you know, we talked about Paul and Silas in prison, right? And you know, they started singing to God. And I don't know what the conversation was up in heaven. You know, the Father and Jesus, the Holy Spirit's obviously in them in that prison. And Father and Jesus are up there looking down on Paul and Silas. And I don't know, maybe one of Father's like, hey, look at Paul and Silas. Look at their hearts right now. They're worshiping me in the hardest situation. Jesus is like, it's time. Snaps his finger. Earthquake. Chains break. Everything. I don't know if that's how it happened. But I'm just saying, I mean, worship changes situations. When we submit our hearts to God and prostrate him, it changes our situation. I mean, this isn't in my notes, but, um, you know, the Israelites, they marched around Jericho, you know, and then they didn't talk, but they did send out the worshippers in front, you know, and then the walls fell down. Or you think about King Jehoshaphat, and he's going up against this army, I forget it was probably the assyrians and and he's like, "I don't know what to do." and God's like, "Send out the worshipers, send out the, your, send out people that are submitting their hearts to me, singing and, and worshiping me, and they go out and they find all the armies already dead. you know so Worship is a powerful, powerful thing. But that worship is a posture where we are now allowing God to fight for us. And we are opening the doors for him. And another thing, um, you know, as we were praying this morning, you know, opening the door to the Lord and and letting him come in or making space for him. You know, when we worship, we posture ourselves. We are making space for him to come in to our hearts and to do a remodel. How I many of you are great with remodeling? I am not great with remodeling, but I've been trying over the last few years. And, um, but the Lord, he wants to come in and, 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 you know, Pastor Jason, you said you have to move something out. I mean, when you do a remodel, you're, you remove everything. And then the Lord comes in and makes this, your heart beautiful, makes that room, room beautiful. So worship, worship is so, so Wonderful. Um, Okay, let's get into this. Genesis 22, 1 through 19. It says, Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took Two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, "'and he split the wood for the burnt offering "'and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. "'Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes "'and saw the place afar afar off. "'And Abraham said to his young men, "'Stay here with the donkey. "'The lad and I will go yonder and worship, "'and we will come back to you.' "'So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering "'and laid it on Isaac his son, "'and he took the fire in his hand and a knife.' And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb, the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that, you're, that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, Your only son, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So in this story, God tests Abraham, and it's not just a simple test. Right? This is the hardest test you could ever go through. All right? And God tells him to go and worship him by sacrificing his only son, the promised son. Powerful. Now, Isaac willingly goes with him. And it's really interesting when you start studying Isaac, you know, a lot of us when we hear the word lad, you know, we're thinking just this little kid. But that word can be used for, the same word for lad can be used for much older um, people. And so, after doing a study, you know, you can, you can do the study, but Isaac was not, scholars say Isaac was not a little boy. You know, he was anywhere from the age, uh, estimating about 18 to 33 years old. So, Abraham, he you know, he, was, he put the wood onto Isaac. So Isaac was strong enough to carry the wood. He was strong enough to take care of his dad on this journey. Um, He was strong enough, guys, to not let his dad sacrifice him. He could have said no, but he he willingly did it, and it's it's a huge point, and we'll talk about that. So he he binds uh, Isaac. He's going to slay him. The angel comes and says, no, don't do it. You know, this was a test, and um, God stops him, And then God provides a sacrifice for Abraham, and he also reconfirms his promise to Abraham and the covenant that he made with him. So what can we learn about worship from this passage? First thing, worship always involves an offering and sacrifice. Worship always involves an offering and sacrifice. God tells Abraham, I want you to offer up your son as a burnt offering, He doesn't tell Abraham to go worship him. However, Abraham tells his servant that he is going with Isaac to worship because worship and sacrifice go together. Worship and offering and sacrifice always go hand in hand, and you really can't worship without a sacrifice. Whatever you sacrifice to in your life is what you're worshiping. The question is, who gets our first and our best sacrifices? Who gets the first and best sacrifices in your life? <clears throat> the definition of sacrifice is the offering. This is just the dictionary.com definition. The offering of an animal, plant, or human life, or some material possession to a deity as a propitiation or homage. It means to surrender or give up or permit injury or disadvantage to for the sake of something else. So worship by nature, always involves an offering and sacrifice that costs something. Okay, Sacrifices cost us something. What does it cost? Well, Pastor Jason, he read Hebrews 13, 15. You know, we're going to talk about the cost, but the simplest of costs is the sacrifice of praise. Right? Therefore, let him, uh, therefore, by him, let us continually offer The sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That was Hebrews 13, 15. Psalm 27, 6 says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. In his tabernacle, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Sacrifices is like, the sacrifice of praise is like the the basic. But it's also like one of the most powerful. And I mean... It's also one of the hardest, if you think about it. How many of you have ever felt, you know, during your day, you're tired and you don't feel like doing anything, even saying thank you, Jesus? Like, let's get serious, right? How many of you want to have felt that moment where you're like, I just don't want to go like do anything at all? God says, well, the sacrifice of praise, you know, it's pretty important sacrifice costs us something, even the use of our lips. And, you know, the use of our lips in our mouth is the, it's like one of the most powerful parts of our body. You know, God created the whole world with his mouth. And so sacrificing with our, our lips is so vital. Like, we need to do this all the time. Praising God, letting this posture of humility in our lives come out of our mouths and just talk to him, praise him worship him with our lips now sacrifice is laced throughout the entirety of scripture starting with adam and eve uh, genesis 321 says also for adam so after they had sinned and and uh you know jesus is there and he he uh curses satan and all that stuff and adam and eve received the consequences of their sin you know what's going to happen Before they get sent out, it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So I found this interesting when I started studying sacrifice, that sacrifice started all the way back like in the Garden of Eden. Because if they had clothes, tunics of skin, that means an animal had to be killed. Right? So the first blood sacrifices, the first sacrifices you see are with this with these animals. And I don't know if God showed Adam, like Adam and Eve how to do it or if he made Adam and Eve do it to see and understand the consequence of sin cost the death of something, like they themselves, but also this animal. But we see a sacrifice starting at the very beginning. Then we see Cain and Abel both offer sacrifices. Cain's was rejected, though, because his, was, his worship was not true. His worship was not in spirit and in truth. He worshiped God because he had to. We know that because he didn't bring his best to God, which means his best was going to something else, probably to his belly, right? <laughs> because he brought fruits of the, uh, of the, of the fields. And so, um, we, but we see Cain and Abel offering sacrifices, and then God establishes a sacrificial system with Moses, and we see all of these sacrifices happening. And um, the sacrifices are interesting. How many of you have, this is me, but, like, when I think about... When I read it in the Bible, I'm like, wow, that's powerful. But then, you know, I've seen other cultures that sacrifice animals to their gods. And I'm like, how primitive. Have you ever thought, like, huh? But honestly, the sacrificing of animals was uh, such a powerful thing when you think about it. Because, you know, we're going to eat animals anyways. And, and, and they're getting sacrificed one way or the other, right? The butcher is going to sacrifice those animals and he's going to uh, and we're going to feed ourselves with them. And God establishes this sacrificial system with Israel though one to show them the consequences of sin and keep, us, keep them in a state of understanding what's ha- what has happened because of sin but those sacrifices also when you study them, three of them there was five different ones and three of them were voluntary for the sake of thanksgiving, for the sake of peace, for the sake of just, just general like just submission to God and loving him and then there were two mandatory sacrifices that were for sin and unintentional sin so sacrificing the, all, the whole purpose of sacrificing was actually to worship God and to establish, reestablish fellowship with him so sacrificing is so powerful because it is something that keeps us in a state of worship or it can keep us in a state of worship And now we know because of Jesus, our sacrificing and worship is no longer for sins, but in devotion, love, honor, and thankfulness, the fear of the Lord. And that is why communion is so important for us in taking of the Lord's Supper, because we are remembering the sacrifice that he gave us, that he did for us. It cost him everything. And so, since Jesus, though, we haven't had to do any animal sacrifices or anything like that and he's called us to something else that is uh probably harder and it is this romans 12:1 and 2 i beseech you therefore brothers by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to god which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god God has called us to be living sacrifices. Everybody say living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. Does that mean we go light ourselves on fire now? No. Okay, don't do that. It does mean that we should be burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit, though. Amen? We are to worship God as living sacrifices. So how do we live as living sacrifices? We're not we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. But we do need to sacrifice our lives. God has called us to sacrifice our lives and to live as a living sacrifice. So, how do you do it? Well, let's look at Abraham and Isaac. God told Abraham to sacrifice that which is near and dear to him, not just anything but the most valuable, the biggest desire of his heart, the very promise God promised him and made a covenant with him for. God was testing his heart. Who do you really serve? Who do you really love? Who do you really trust with your entire life? Who has your heart? God didn't want Abraham to literally kill his son. We know that by the result. But Abraham didn't know that. Did you know? Abraham didn't know if God was a God that wanted human sacrifices yet. Because Abraham lived amongst people who sacrificed other people regularly. When you see Israel going to the promised land, they go and God actually has them kill and destroy the entire nations that they go in because of this very thing of sacrificing human lives to their false gods. And Abraham didn't even question God when he said, go and, uh, and sacrifice his son. So Abraham didn't know up to this point if, if that was what God really wanted. But he knew one thing, we know from Hebrews 11, 17 and 19, by faith abraham when he was tested offered up isaac and he who had received the promises offered up offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in isaac your seed shall be called concluding that god was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense so abraham trusted god he's like i don't know if god really wants me to sacrifice my son but i'm going to do it but he knew god was going to raise him from the dead if he did but God, in his perfect knowledge and wisdom, showed Isaac, or Abraham, I'm not the kind of God that wants you to sacrifice, you know, a human life to me. But I am the type of God that wants literally everything that you desire. To live as a living sacrifice, you must be willing to sacrifice, surrender, our deepest desires, even the very promises he's made to you. Hmm. What are the things, the promises that God has made to you? What are the deepest desires of your heart? Would you be willing if God said, hey, I want you to go sacrifice that. Go kill it. I don't know. I mean, I asked myself that question, and it's a scary question to ask yourself because ultimately you're finding out where you're, heart lies what the idols in your life are Matthew ten thirty seven through 39 he says Jesus says he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me these are kind of heavy verses just so you know that I'm going to be reading and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it Are we trying to hold on to our lives in this world that's falling apart? Or are we willing to sacrifice our deepest desire, our whole lives to him? You know, the rich young ruler, we've talked about him a little bit. But Matthew 10, you know, he says, you know, what do I need to receive salvation, Jesus? And Jesus says, you know, lists out the commands. He says, I do all those. What else do I need to do? He says, "Okay, knock, knock, knock. You're wealthy, right? Yeah. I want you to go sell everything you own and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Oh! And what happened to the rich young ruler? He went away sad. That's right, Rich. He went away sad because his wealth had him. His, his security had him more than God had him. What are you placing your security in today? Okay. What are we placing our security Guys, this message, these past two weeks have been heavy for me. All right? I'm excited to share them, but it's like, oh, uh, God's like magnifying glass in my life. I'm preaching to myself wholeheartedly right now. <clears throat> so, what is the thing in your life, if God told you sacrifice right now, you'd be unwilling to do or hesitate to do? That's the thing that you need to work on with God right now. Living it As a living sacrifice, that's what it looks like. That's the first thing it looks like. Okay, I'm going to get a little heavier here. How do we live as living sacrifices? Let's look at Isaac. Because that whole picture, Abraham and Isaac, is actually a foreshadow of what Jesus, the Father and Jesus were going to do. And so we actually do see, you know, in the New Testament, the Father sends his son. He's not just sacrificing his son just to kill his son. This is a rescue mission for us. The father's like, Jesus, Holy Spirit, this is the only way we can save them. Jesus, I need you to go down there. Jesus says, I'm willing. I'm willing to sacrifice because that's what love is. That's who love is. And he comes down, he sacrifices his life for us, rescuing us from death if we will choose to believe him. So, how do we live as living sacrifices? Isaac. Isaac had to make a willing decision to trust his father and literally sacrifice his very life and the promise God was going to bring to him and through him. Abraham, Isaac knew he was the promised child. Isaac knew that this, this blessing that was coming through his father was going to be coming to him, and now he had to make the decision, am I going to let my dad sacrifice me? Am I also going to trust God with my literal life, the physical life? Mark 8 34 says when he had called people to himself and his disciples also Jesus said to them whoever desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me The heart behind being a living sacrifice is being willing to surrender our lives literally to him and also learning how to die daily 1 Corinthians 15:31 Paul says, I affirm by the, by, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, when Jesus tells us to take up our cross, you know, the cross was a torture tool to kill whoever was going to be on it. He's telling us, are you willing to lay down your life and to die for me? Dying daily. But does this mean we also have to die literally? Here's the answer. Is God calling us to die literally for him? Yeah. Yeah. And now, a lot of times our, heads, our minds go right to like dying, like persecution and dying. But Jesus is asking us, He's, if you're going to follow me, I'm asking you to lay down your very life for me, just like I laid down for you. The goal in following Jesus is that we be like Jesus in our mindset and heart, that this life and this world take last place to Jesus and the promise of being one with him. First John two fifteen through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He's calling us to lay down our life and to turn away from this world. An awesome example of this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you have heard that story? Yes? So King Nebuchadnezzar builds a giant idol of himself. <laughs> and then he tells everybody, you need to bow down and worship me, this idol. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, we're not doing that. It's not going to happen. And I love what they say to the king. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. We don't really care what you say. (laughs) It means nothing to us. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That is the heart that we need to have in this world, for God. That's how we live as a living sacrifice, where we're willing to give up everything for Jesus. Their decision to become a living sacrifice brought about a mighty miracle because they got thrown into that fiery furnace that was stoked seven times hotter and then who showed up in there? Jesus. He's in there with them. They come out without any smoke, smell, or anything. No burns, no nothing. And they lead, excuse me, it's a mighty miracle. King Nebuchadnezzar bows down to God there. And it's, he's one step closer, Nebuchadnezzar, to turning to God. Did you know that this wicked king who took over Israel and enslaved tons of people and did all the wickedness you could imagine and had all the wealth you could imagine and live however he wanted, at the end of his life turned to God? He turned to God. God had mercy on him and his soul was saved. You're going to meet Nebuchadnezzar one day in heaven. All right. So the goal in worship is to prostrate ourselves to God in humility, submission, and love, sacrificing our desires and our very lives wholly to him, abandoning every idol so that way we can become like him and one with him. So, he's calling us to sacrifice our deepest desires, He's calling us to sacrifice our very lives. Two very heavy things. So how do you make this practical? Because that's all kind of heavy. Okay, how do you make it practical? Well, God is so good because he leads us gently in this. Amen? How many of you have experienced God's leading in your life in such a gentle way? I have. You know, he is so patient with me. Things that I struggle with from, like, long ago. And they still are something that can draw me away. So patient, so loving, so merciful, so kind and forgiving. He's constantly leading us as sheep. Gently understanding us, knowing us deeply. And what we need and how to get us to where we need to be. So the goal in worship, you know, is to place... Is to get to a place every day where we are saying, Not my will, but yours be done. You know, God didn't tell Abraham to sacrifice his son on the first day that his son was born, right? You know, he, con- he continually led Abraham step by step, and that's how he does it with us. So how do we make this practical? How do we come to a place where we can literally surrender our whole, all of our desires? How can we come to a place where we're willing to surrender our very life to him? <clears throat> first one, model your life after the great men and women of faith and scripture. Model your life after the people you find in scripture who have done it I mean the the person that keeps coming to my head for 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 whatever reason is Hannah you know she was the mother of Samuel and maybe this is for somebody but she 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 prayed she wanted a son so badly and she finally falls down and cries to the Lord and says you know if you give me a son I will Give him back to you as your priest, as your servant. She sacrifices her son in that way. It was her deepest desire was to have a son. And God gives her a son. And she does it. And then God gives her more kids after that. King David, you know, he knew he was supposed to be the king of Israel. But King Saul was trying to kill him. And on multiple occasions, he could have killed King Saul he chose to sacrifice that whole thing to God and say, God, I'm not going to touch your anointed. I'm going to just keep living in these caves. I could be living in luxury right now, but I'm going to live in these caves with a bunch of these heathen men who are bad guys, and I'm going to make them good guys and um, lead them and let you handle my life. <clears throat> There's so many. you know. Just think about the disciples. They Jesus called them and said, "Come, follow me." And they, first step, they just kind of left their nets beside the, the the water, got up and followed him. So we need to model our life after great men, and women of faith in Scripture. I think of Joseph. I mean Joseph. Ugh, what a story! Thrown, sold into slavery by his brothers. You know, gets accused of, trying to rape his master's wife when he didn't. He throws, gets thrown in prison spends basically 13 years in slavery he was continually sacrificing his will his life he stayed steady with god worshiping him trusting him giving it all into his hands until one day god just made him the second in command to pharaoh so model your life after great men number 2 model your life after what scripture says to sacrifice sometimes you know we read the what we just talked about sacrificing everything to god but in Hebrews 10, 13 and 16, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. One way that we can sacrifice our lives on a daily basis is bearing his reproach. How do we bear his reproach? When we share the good news with somebody and they say, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. There is no God. Okay? You're going to bear his reproach. Right? Therefore, by him, let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God. So we need to sacrifice praise to God with our lips. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good. And to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When we do good for others, we are sacrificing. God is pleased when we love one another. That is a sacrifice, to love one another, to bear up with each other, to believe the best in each other, to care for one another, to meet the needs of someone else. James 1.27 Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That, world, that word religion in the Greek also means worshiping. So you could say pure and, def, pure and undefiled worshiping before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep one's, oneself unspotted from the world. <clears throat> When we keep ourselves unspotted from the world, when we care for orphans and widows and those in need, we are sacrificing. That is worship to the Lord. So, we need to ask God, next step is, ask God what areas he wants you to sacrifice in. What are the things that make up your life? We have time. Who values their time? Yeah, we all do, right? It's our most valuable commodity. Or what's that, is that the right way they say it? Time is so precious. This is an area that God's been dealing with me in, sacrificing my time to him. You say, well, Andy, didn't you just spend all week preparing a message? You're sacrificing your time. No, I have lots more time. Trust me. I know, because I binge-watched the whole TV show over the last two weeks. It's like, uh, what? God's been dealing with me on time, specifically how I end my evenings. You know? I'm tired at the end of the day, and I just kind of want to sit down and do nothing. But God's saying, you know, what's happening, Andrew, is you're sitting down, you eat dinner, and then you start watching a show with your dad or whatever, and then pretty soon it's eight o'clock or nine o'clock, and you're getting ready for bed, and you're so tired, you don't even have time to be with me. And he said, sacrifice, Andrew, is, you know, sacrificing the best, So the best time of my evening, I'm giving to something that is not God. Not that you cannot sit down and watch a TV show, but if it becomes a habitual thing and you are stuck in it, you know when you're stuck in something, okay? I need to sacrifice this time. I need to start giving this time to God in a different way, you know? Giving him the best. Our energy, sacrificing our energy, sacrificing possessions... What makes up your life? Our possessions and money? A lot of times when we talk about sacrifice and giving, we always think offering or tithe and all that stuff, and that's all good. We talked about that. However, when there's somebody down the road that you're friends with, your neighbor, and you know they lost their job, and God says, I want you to go pay their car payment this week. You know, are we willing to obey God with that? Are we willing to sacrifice our time or our possessions? You know, give somebody a couch or whatever? Our skills and talents, are we willing to sacrifice our skills and talents to God? Offer them. A sacrificing is an offering. It's an offering up. Are we willing to sacrifice our bodies to him? Eating what we should eat and not what we shouldn't eat. Fasting. Our desires, our pro- the, the promises that God has given to us, are we willing to sacrifice those? How do we do that? You know, ask God how to do that. Our desire for success. How many of you have ever struggled with, you don't have to raise your hand, but struggled with the desire for success, the desire to, like, just achieve, and you work so hard at it, are we willing to let God handle that? Are we willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to set this desire for success down, and I'm going to actually take a day off and relax and observe a Sabbath day. How many of you guys have a hard time resting? I know I do. You know, you have a day off, and what do you want to do on your day off? You want to rest, but you're like, but I need to do the laundry. I need to clean the house. I need to go do groceries, and then I need to go run this errand and that errand, and pretty soon your Sabbath day is nothing, right? We need to honor God by sacrificing the things that he says to sacrifice to. The control of our lives. How many of you have ever been stuck with the control? Like, I just gotta, I cannot, I, I don't see God coming through for me right now, so I'm gonna control this area of my life. Ask God what he wants to, you, to, you to sacrifice in and how to do it. And he will get you there, all right? I'm also sacrificing in, in different areas. You know, my desires, desires for a wife and a family one day. God, am I willing to sacrifice that to you? I have to be. If I really want to follow him, otherwise I'll take control of it and I'll end up in a bad situation. So, sacrifice, understand this, we're at the end, does not mean you will never have the things that you long for. It's ensuring that none of the things have you before God. Okay? When we live as a living sacrifice, nothing is lost with Jesus. Mark 10, 28 and 31 Says Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. it's a lot of things. For my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many are who are first will be last, and the last will be first, or the last will be first. So there is nothing you, nothing is lost when you follow Jesus. When you begin to sacrifice for him and give for him and love one another for him, and you feel like, "Ah, but I need this, ah, but I want this, ah, but I, I, I'm going to lose control. When you sacrifice for Jesus with that heart of worship, pro- prostrating yourself before him, nothing is lost he's got it. If he does it, if you don't receive the thing that you want now, he's going to make sure you receive it in the kingdom one way or the other. And so I want to challenge all of us to ask God the question, what do you want me to sacrifice in worship to you? All right, it just comes down to that. What do you want me to sacrifice? Where do I need to sacrifice more? Where do I need to sacrifice better? And then begin to take the steps. And then the other thing is talk to one another about it, right? The people you're in fellowship with here talk each, to each other. Encourage each other. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I need help sacrificing in this area. Can you encourage me? And rely on one another. That's how we do this. You know, the early church, what you see all the way back in two, Acts 2:42. 2, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So they were sacrificing with their mouths in prayers. They were sacrificing their food for one another. They were sacrificing their time to fellowship with one another. Now all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions. They were sacrificing their possessions for one another, dividing it among all as each had need, continuing daily in the temple and in house to house, praising God. So it's all lays through there is worship and sacrifice. All right. So as we work on this discipline, start with the questions: Where do I need to posture myself in humility before God? God, what do you want me to sacrifice? And begin with it. All right. Got anything to add, or I'll close in prayer. I value. Okay. Good so thoughts. this is
1: amazing because we didn't know that this. Well, I mean, I I knew about Abraham and Isaac that he was going to be talking about it, but I didn't know that the focus of his message was going to be sacrifice. And this week, Jason and I sat in my office on Thursday, and we were having, you know, like an intimate conversation about our hearts and our lives. Um, We were in the deep end of the pool of communication, right? We were talking about deep things. And um, as I was driving into the office, I passed a house that was for sale, and I said to him, I was like, you know, I just... I'm longing for to simplify. I'm longing for things to be simple, kind of how they used to be or just more simple. And, you know, I saw this little ranch, and I'm thinking, like, maybe we could sell our house. Maybe we could get rid of, like, half of what we own. And if you know our story, we've done this, okay? We left um, GE. We left this, this, this life of ease. I had recently... Um, And some time with the Lord, he had taken me to that scripture. um, uh, If you, those who have left uh, husbands or wives or children, you know, won't it come back to you? And immediately inside, it was ease. We left a life of ease. And we, we left a life of ease. And it hasn't been easy a single day since. I do not lie. And my heart was just longing. We're just longing for some ease. So I said, you know, we're sitting there, we're talking, I was like, you know, maybe we need to do this. And almost immediately together we realized we're so quick to want to solve the issue by sacrificing money or home or possessions. So if that's the first thing we go, we did it before and guess what? It didn't solve anything. So if we're eager to sacrifice something, that's probably not the thing that we need to sacrifice. You because they're super willing. Lord, you want us to take zero salary from the church? Done. You want us to sell our house, our beautiful home? Done. I don't have to have a swimming pool. I've always wanted one, and you gave it to me, and it's wonderful, and I always feel loved when I swim in it. But I'll, I'll sacrifice it. So this conversation continued, and what we came to was, I don't know, can I share yours? On the top of his notepaper, as Andy was preaching, I took his notepaper and I wrote, are you willing to be a failure for my sake? Heart, Jesus, and I made a box. Yes, no. Because we get these notes from our children. Can I? There was no maybe. There was no maybe. We We get notes from our children that say, can we watch a movie? And then they put a box and they put yes, no. And they want us to do a check mark and give it back to them. This happens in our house often. So I took his note paper. Are you willing to be a failure for my sake? Love Jesus? Yes, no. So I'm sharing his his personal his personal thing is success and failure, or su- succeeding not in the world's eyes. Otherwise, we would have stayed at GE, and he would, you know, take a helicopter to work, and I'd be a rich wife. And I mean, it, it's not necessarily success in the world's eyes. It's success in y'all's eyes in my eyes, and Pastor Andy's, it's success, you know, his measure of success. Mine is safety and security, and I've already shared about that this morning. Are you willing to be unsafe for me? Are you willing to engage in pe- with people for me? Because that's what I value more than anything else, is feeling safe and being safe emotionally. Um, and he's not asking me to, you know, find the the biggest, most judgmental, gossipy person and, like, put myself at their feet. He's not asking me to do that, but he's asking me to trust him. So I just, normally, I mean, we wouldn't necessarily come up here, but you asked. And yeah. I said to him, I was like, this is amazing that we just had this conversation. And we share it with you, one, because I think transparency is the best way to activate you guys and for you to understand this is a conversation that he wants you to have. Um, and oftentimes... Where we need to sacrifice, I think, is the point where our greatest fear is. Um, and that's in the promise of God. It's, you know, Abraham could have been like, and maybe he was. I like to think of the greats in the Bible as being really real people. And maybe he did. He was just like, wait, what? You know, that's my, that's, you're, the whole promise is, is Isaac. The whole promise, you know. And did Abraham wrestle with those things in his heart? I guarantee you he did. I guarantee he wasn't God. Only you know he wasn't God, so the point of our greatest fear is also where God is drawing us um, you know for Jason, that's public failure or private failure, any failure whatsoever for me it's it's um it really is like accusation and false like if false judgment and you know the need to like defend myself and you know keep people at a safe distance so th- those are the things we are actively working and praying with one another about. We're going to sacrifice it, God. We're going to sacrifice these things, and we're going to trust in you. Um, so let that just again testimony be an encouragement.
2: Yeah, just as, as we close, I would encourage you exactly what she was saying. Whatever it is, you think that if you think you know what it is, go ahead and write it down, and then pray on it meditate on it. It's really an issue of our heart. And I think the Lord's asking each of us is, what is it in your heart that are you willing to sacrifice this for me? Um, And initially, I think if we would, before the conversation that her and I had, if I would have wrote my list down, it would have been something different than what it actually is and what it actually was. And my biggest, you know, the fear that I have of failure, whatever it is, or fear of man, like whatever you guys have, just encourage you to take this week and to meditate on this message and to ask the Lord, what is it? What is it that I need to sacrifice uh, to him? And because if you think of the blessing and the promise, what ended up coming back around, I mean, the promise ended up happening. You know, the blessing ended up happening. So it's not like he's, he wants you to do something so he's going to take it all away. But are you willing? I mean, that's the question. Are you willing? Not, your, not my will, Lord, but yours. Just as Jesus in the garden, right? Not my will, but yours. And that's a difficult thing to do, but he's asking us to do it. Amen. Great job on the message. Great job. You want to close us? Uh, sure,
0: Amen. Uh, yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you sacrificed your son for us. Jesus, we thank you that you sacrificed your life for us. We thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit and wanting to live in us. And we commit, Father, to sacrificing for you and we ask you to show us where you want us to sacrifice what you want us to do where you want us to prostrate before you where you want us to stand up and praise you we just want to surrender everything to you and be your church your bride and look beautiful before you and we know that comes through this very thing of being like you so we commit to it in jesus name we pray I ask a blessing upon all of us here, Lord, and you would keep us safe and just continue to reveal to us your word, and your revelation, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next week.